This is the fourth episode of The World According to Walker, and I have a very special guest today. Um, very special friend of mine, Darius Larry. Uh, what's up, Darius? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, me and Darius go back a very long time. I've known Darius probably since, holy shit, 2006? Middle, yeah, middle school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, middle God. school. God, middle like, school. Whoa, when we were, were you in Miss, uh, God, what was that teacher's name? It was a math teacher. Miss Scott's? class in seventh grade no miss williams uh yeah yeah miss... No, that's no, what, no. That's... was it miss williams because we were also in... weren't we in miss lumpkin's class together <laughs> 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 that was it yeah oh god <laughs> yeah miss or... lumpkin's class man i think i think uh we became friends because you know what i think in eighth grade in miss williams class that was when i first knew you because like we both had pre-ap uh, uh english yeah. class yeah. And she was asking, like, what did you do during the summer or something like that? And I said, like, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I think you said Aqua Teen Hunger Force, too. So, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, we watched the same fucking adult swim show. Dude, it's it's been a minute. I mean, like, I think, like, high school was when we really started hanging out, fucking throwing shit at Jazz. And <laughs> just fucking with Jazz. We got to have her on here one day, just uh, just going back in time. But, yeah, dude, it's been... <laughs> It's been a minute. So what have you been up to? Like where where'd you go after high school? I know you go to went to Rutgers, but you yeah, know. yeah. So um so a couple months after we graduated high school, I moved back to Jersey. Um I got the acceptance to Rutgers, so I moved back mm -hmm. in my mom too. And so I've been back since. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, as you can see, like if you remember the way I was back in high school, how I was like a real dick. Imagine that's like Jersey. Like I basically <laughs> at home now. Like imagine like nine million more of me, just like oh, on a bunch. Not as bad though. Not as bad. Just not uh, as bad. Yeah. <laughs> just dicks everywhere. Just dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um. So yeah, I graduated a couple years back, and then I just like been working in New York since. Um. But yeah, it's um. So you of, are. So you are still in New York. I work. I work there, but I live in Jersey. Gotcha, gotcha. Because yeah, I, yeah. I knew you were working in like uh, in Manhattan, right? For yeah, one yeah, minute. Yeah. yeah, I left in the, I left uh, to go work at a New Jersey company, and then I moved, and then I went back to uh, New York. But uh, what the hell have you been up to? All right. So, I mean, like I went to Georgia Southern, stayed in Georgia um, pretty much. like, uh, So I threw them a fucking hook from the get go because, you know, I wanted to when I started, I wanted to be a history major. I was always good at history. I'm like, I'm doing history. But, you know, going halfway through, I'm like, fuck, I really don't want to teach because that's really the only fucking thing you can do uh, when you get a history degree. Uh, yeah. So I'm just like, fuck it. Uh, I told my my advisor, look, I want a dual major. I want a double major in history and IT. And he's like, dude, I don't even know what the fuck to do about that. So we had to essentially track down this fucking manual at the registrar's office to figure out what the fuck to do with me. Um, oh. He's just like, uh, yeah. But, you know, awesome guy. Uh, old uh, uh, Dr. Steinberg, Jewish guy. Um, he worked with me, got me where I wanted, uh, I started working in the library, like my sophomore year and, you know, Miss Lay had kind of already like laid the like inkling in my head and I wanted to, you know, I was like, I wanted to be a librarian. So, yeah. you know, working in the library, I'm like, I'm going to be a systems librarian. And so, uh, Georgia Southern, I got a full-time job and they paid for my, 
my library master's, my master's degree. Most people, you're like, oh, you need a master's for be a librarian? Yes, they take that shit very seriously. Um, but yeah, I got that. Georgia Southern paid for it. And then, you know, I said, you know, I told my boss when she first hired me, I was like, you probably got me for like two years. And then like, once I finish this, I'm going to go go out. And, you know, at, at once I stayed there for like 10 years, I was in Statesboro for 10 years uh, doing school and working. And then, you know, I finished my master's and said, you know what, it's time to go. So interviewed in South Carolina, interviewed in Washington and Arizona and um, ended up liking Arizona. Very cool people. Tucson's a nice city. So right now I'm at the University of Arizona in Tucson and doing just living the dream right now. Just everyone's been like on like lockdown. But, you know, I, I like the people, like the job. Definitely can see myself doing this, getting tenure in like four, three or four years. Nah, dude, that's fucking awesome, man. You know what? I Now, now that you, you brought it to my attention and you made me remember that you always love to read. You always had a book to read. Uh, very smart fucking guy. And like, I could definitely see you taking that, uh, taking that pathway. And I mean, it's, it's right up your alley, dude. And I mean, you can make a, it's not a job. It's a legit career. Like you've made an academic career of it. And like, you're making a work career out of it. I definitely saw, I could definitely see you doing that for a very long time because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in your blood, man. Honestly. Yeah. I do. Like I was thinking about going back when we went back, if this shit didn't happen, we went back for our uh, 10 year anniversary. If people could be like, Oh, what do you do? I'm a librarian. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It, it really does. <laughs> Yeah. I remember, um, you know what? I remember um, in Ms. Williams' class, ninth grade, uh, when we got to high school, we were, I think we were watching the 96 version of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And um, I can't remember what the hell it was, but we were watching the movie. I remember Sean or Aaron Hankins, one of them was in the class of twins. And uh, he said, Can you put on the closed captioning for Darius? I thought that was one of the funniest things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny, God. Funny, but... Dude, like, it's. <laughs> It's like, honestly, it's like, I'm amazed at like how interconnected our high school classes, just people yeah. still knowing each other, but like, holy shit. <laughs> but good moments though. I mean, like, they, you know, there's, a, there's, there's some high school drama, but for the most part, like, is you know, the oh, circle yeah. the things that you have, man, shit never changes and you only get more close by the, you know, the older that you get. That's the, that's a beautiful part of it. Yeah, bro. Okay. So on Facebook, you posted earlier. You were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, that uh, that post you're like, oh, uh, name your, like, high school's uh, drama and shit. And you said the sex tape. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Hold oh, on. <laughs> so you, know? you didn't know about that? I didn't know about the sex tape. Who's sex tape? Oh, boy. Oh, shit. All right. So, again, I'm not naming names. But so what happened was. Um, was uh, it students or teachers? No, no, it was two students. I mean, okay. if there were teachers, at least it's not child porn. And like, I'll, I'll totally watch if somebody had the video. But <laughs> I mean, why not? Somebody you might have taken class for. So, um, so yeah, what the guy I knew, both of them I knew, but uh, the guy was, I think he was a senior at the time. The girl was either a freshman or a sophomore, and he was hitting it at the time. And they decided to make a video, like a tape out of it. And the guy's sister told me like a couple days later after it happened, she was like, do you want to see the video? She was watching it. She was just like, did you see it? Or like, have you seen it? Or like, do you want to see it? Was it on the internet? No, I think she, 
oh fuck, I don't even know how she got it around, but no dude, people okay. watched it. Dude, okay, yeah, yeah, when yeah. bullshit, I call bullshit. I bet she didn't watch it. That's like she, you want to see it. She had to have seen the shit to know what it is. Probably. Just yeah, like, it was. Want to watch it, was, it? I'm like, uh. It was just odd, dude. So like the so he made the one of them made the video. Yeah. And um, I guess it got around school. I don't know what happened with the girl, but um, yeah, it, it was just, it was just wild. Though. Enough people watched the video. So I remember a couple days after the video came out that I was in gym class and Coach Alligood, he just like he saw the guy because we had the same class with Coach Alligood. He said, hey, so and so He's like, I heard you were at the Oscars last night, man. Did you get any awards? <laughs> Oh Fuck god, dude. Lot, dude! There's just just like a bunch of shit. You because you heard about uh, Miss just Bird's a bunch of fucking people, man. Like honestly, it's yeah. the fun stuff you do. And then fucking Miss Miss, I mean, like, hey, let's make a sex tape, Bruh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, God, what was his name? Was uh, he was a senior football senior? Oh, and I always I remember that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. white guy, white guy. Yeah. Hey, do you remember? Yes. Okay, so so every day at lunch. Every day at lunch, he would like he would just talk about he'd be talking about how he was and um and like dude it, it was it was too funny because like he'd be talking about yeah dude he's like he like he was just talking he's bragging about that shit he's like yeah man you could see your big titties flopping so the funny part about this is is that I would bid uh you remember Coach Daughtry I would go have Coach Daughtry's math class <laughs> so it was in there and I would just get back from lunch. And I'd be talking about, like, I just got back from lunch where her boyfriend was essentially saying, oh, man, uh, just talking that's about their funny. fucking sex life. And I'm like, shit. And I'm that's just like, wild, dude. Dude, that and I'm is- like, dude, it was, they were on some exhibition and shit. Like, he's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> he's like, your parents were downstairs. <laughs> oh, my God, like, dude. And I'm just like, okay, man. Okay. <laughs> Like, like I'm like I'm just like I'm trying to eat my 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 hot wings. It's hot swing day. I'm like I'm trying to eat my hot wings, man. Come on, can we not today? Yeah, yeah. No, it was, I mean even shrimp day was better, right? Like you remember shrimp oh, day? God, shrimp day, shrimp day, <laughs> hot wings day. God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was a it was one of the black uh, cafeteria ladies. She would always burn her hand uh, whenever she was bringing the train down. Do you remember that? Yes. Like, <laughs> well, it's because. It was Miss Lois's lane and um, line, and that's uh, that's all right. So, uh, so Darius, um, so what? Why did why did you want to be on the uh, on the world according to Walker? I mean, I mean, we we wanted to come and talk about some stuff. Talk about think our topic is education system. I mean, yeah. definitely talk about what we can do for it. You know, um, I definitely think that you know with. With the, you know, with Bernie bringing that to like the forefront, you know, talking about educational reform, I definitely think that educational reform, not just the cost of it, but the system in general needs to be Mm -hmm. completely redone from the top up from like pre-K all the way to through college. Because I think that by the time students get through high school, they're kind of shoehorned into like two different camps. Like I want to people tell them you got to go to college. If you don't go to college, you're not going to amount to anything. And I think that, you know, people like, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, cause you know, if anything, that pandemic has shown that that's not true. Like, look at who's out there. It's like the college educated people are all home. And then, you know, the people that, you know, didn't go to college are working like, you know, blue collar jobs who were essential quote unquote 
Um, you know, they're out there, you know, they are like, they always will have, you know, jobs. And I think that, you know, not, not really counting those things as like opportunities, you know, like, you know, quality opportunities and, oh, well, if you don't go to college, you're not going to amount to anything. I think that students need to be told that they can do something else and go to college because there are numerous different pathways to being successful than going to college. And I think that, you know, forcing like shoehorning kids into that mindset of that I have to go to college has left some people with, you know, student loan debt because they they left college because they realized it wasn't for them. But now they mm -hmm. have this debt on top of that. And so I definitely think that it's just something that needs to be needs to be said, that needs to be changed in that in the mindset of where we push our students. Um but yeah, I, I think it just needs to be reformed. And I think something to start doing then is like kind of having the same curriculum in every state instead of letting, you know, we always we have this like divide in America where, you know, it's kind of like states' rights. Like you mm -hmm. kind of see it like uh and you know, I think that there are some things that have are antiquated and need to be changed to where the federal government or, or a larger regulating body have control of just so that you know things flow better because i i honestly don't think that the states being in control of schools is necessarily a good thing just because of the negativity that's that's come up like um one state recently, like they've they've started like editing their uh, their social studies book because they aren't happy with some aspects of what exists in those books. And so, you know, I just think that if you're if we're gonna celebrate or teach kids history, you know, teach it all. Don't teach like the censored version. Yeah. But that's essentially where I'm at. I think that we can we can definitely reform the system to be better. I just think that we kind of lazily lay down on that state's right arguments that's, you know, so that's state ability to control schools and, you know, regulate what students learn. Like, have you, have you seen like the new way kids do math, like the carrying, the carrying I, method? I don't uh, know what the fuck they do. They, they don't use chalkboards. They don't use, they don't, they don't use chalk. They don't use chalkboards. They're on the damn computer. I don't know what the hell's going on in the schools today. Dude, and fucking like they don't even teach cursive in Georgia anymore. <laughs> like they stopped oh. teaching cursive. It's just like, yeah, that's a skill that no one's gonna need. Let's yeah. just go ahead and get rid of it. So you know, I guess like I'm wondering, like, what do you, what do you think our pain points are in our, in our school system? If you had to look at it and say, where do you think we should start? Definitely. I so I don't know if you want to start from, you know childhood to to college level but uh i mean you hit the you hit the nail on the head when first off we have to make people understand that we our education system shouldn't think that people are garbage because they don't go to college like yeah. it's not go it's not go to four-year university or four-year college and you'll be somebody it's like no everyone has something to offer um, whether you want to you want to do technical skills or whether you want to go into a certain program, like to be honest with you, if you think about it, our education system is uh, two years of just seeing what you like, and then two years of a concentration of it. I mean, there are a lot of people that 
if they if they know that they want to be accountants or they want to be accountants like they go they could go to a specialized school in my opinion and you could just learn just accounting like maybe mm-hmm. learning about astrology or cosmology is not important if you're going to school for I don't know, English or history, like it seems very irrelevant for me to spend a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars on a three credit course if it has no relevance to what I want to do later in life. I mean, it's great in college for you to branch out and understand there's there's more to it than just what you're there to study. But we a we have to we have to give the notion that you can be somebody without a four year university degree and you can be somebody uh, without having to spend so much money in general just to afford an education. I mean, it, of course, of course, the United States is going to fuck up in every way possible by putting people with 40, 50,000, you know, quarter million dollars in debt, uh, whether it's medicine, whether it's uh, library studies, whether it's whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, and I think you also hit it on the head where you were talking about the K through 12 education Um States rights, rights, I will say, um, some of it, while it is unequal, I think there are some benefits to it. And there are there are a lot of there's a lot of negatives as well. Um, For example, I didn't go I didn't go to high school in New Jersey, but um, I think that or who knows, I don't know if New Jersey has any type of agriculture education uh, in their statewide system. I mean, something in Georgia, it's not mandatory, but it was mandatory when we were in middle school because we had a. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Simmons, yeah, Mr. Simmons, um, uh, for eighth grade, but um, in high school, it was offered whether you wanted to take agriculture education, um, if you want a certain type of classes, if you wanted to join FFA. I don't know if it was offered in New Jersey, but was I Mr. Think- Simmons was Mr. Simmons yeah. that guy with the mustache? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you said it, I'm like, oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> He's a really cool guy. Um, so. But if you think about it, I mean, I don't know if the kids in New Jersey had that option where they could learn about agriculture. And I mean, if that was nationwide, where every every uh, school district taught agriculture education, maybe more people would be able to know how to grow stuff in their backyard or have a little garden or instead of going to the grocery store or going to the farmer's market to buy stuff, maybe they'd be able to grow it themselves. Yeah, um, but but yeah. again, that's but I mean, go ahead. No, I was going to say that I think that extracurricular things, and that's what I, I think, I think ag falls in that branch extracurricular. I think that yeah. extracurricular can be like different based on the state because, you know, you might need to know different things in different states, you know, based on like in Georgia, ag makes sense because, you know, like I want to say like you got like 80% of Georgia is like farmland. Right. Um, so, you know, it makes sense that the extra, extracurriculars focuses on, you know, you know, farm and, you know, agriculture, uh, culture, but I feel like, you know, the, like the core stuff, your math, your science, your history, I think that you could have that as, you know, let that as standard for through all the states, but at the same time, give the, the, the states flexibility to focus on what extracurriculars they want to offer or what tracks they want to offer in their states. Like, uh, yeah. But I think that, you know, like if I if I learn American history in one state, the same things I learn in that state, you know, you might and again, like again, you have some flexibility before you get to high school. Like we learned had Georgia history, I think, and that's something that I've talked to other people that you tend to have like a state history course in your right. your pre your K through twelve uh, area. But I think right. that 
your common core, like history should be taught. U.S. history should be the same in every state. Like what the core concepts that you go through that you are taught should be, you know, synonymous like between the states, because I think that that kind of contributes to that mindset of like you go north, south, you probably have very different teachings of the Civil War. Like, and, you know, in the South, you have, yeah, you know, in the South, you probably have, you have people that, you know, it's, it's very personal. Um, history is very personal to them. You know, they take pride in that, you know, maybe one of their ancestors fought in the Confederacy, but, you know, it's a completely different mindset and viewpoint when you're taught, when you are taught history in, in like high school. But I also think that history doesn't go far enough in schools they they kind of tend to adv- like they talk about the like topics like slavery and you know the things but they don't have the uncomfortable conversations they don't talk about lynching and they don't talk about the culture in the south after the re- uh reconstruction you know they don't have the uncomfortable these uncomfortable conversations that you know make you think about what your history is and you know i think that Americans would be in a better mindset to understand like how events have transpired if they were to understand history. Like Donald Trump. Go go ahead. I was you know what you were you 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 reminded me of something. Now we took Georgia history in uh, eighth grade. <laughs> Mr. Coffer. <laughs> Mr. Coffer. <laughs> um but you know I don't know whether the book is written outside of the state of Georgia, but if you're going to write about a state of history, it has to be through the lens of somebody that lived in the state of Georgia. And I mean, if they're, you know, if they're a white person is probably um, a direct descendant of somebody that served in the Confederate army, you know? And so yeah. with that, they are already going to have a Confederate sympathizing type um, history or tell to tale of certain, you know, certain portions of Georgia history, or you're talking about like the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan, the first time, the second time, um, all this stuff, it seems like it's going to have a geographic uh, influence or bias. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's like, it's like someone like, it's like someone is like, your sister is, she's not the nicest person, but you're going to stick up for your sister because mm-hmm. you see her in a different lens. You, it's like when it's personal to you, you see it in a different way and you feel compelled to defend it because you don't want to make it seem like you are, you come from like a bad culture or something that, you know, like, like homophobia in the black community. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like, oh no, you know, people try to downplay it or, you know, like, toxic masculinity in the black community it's like there are the things that you know when it when people criticize things personal to you you feel more compelled to defend it it's just like that intrinsic trait to kind of be like oh no you just don't understand because you know you don't want to say you don't want someone to say oh your grandparents were racist because they owned slaves or you know yada yada you feel compelled to to defend them yeah and you know and that's part of the thing is that you kind of have to, like I said, having those uncomfortable conversations for what truly it was, it's just like, and see, the thing about it is, is that you can have, you can have someone participate in, and you know, this might be a hot take, participate in a shitty 
thing, but not be a terrible person themselves. If you know what I mean, like Thomas Jefferson owned slaves and, you know, pretty much, you know, ran a plantation, but he himself was not a shitty person. Did he contribute to the, you know, the continuation of the institution of slavery? Yes. But, you know, it's like, it's one of those things that it's, it's very complex. There is no black or white. We live in a, like a world of gray, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, and so like, again, it's like having these uncomfortable conversations in school is something that I think needs to happen before you get to college, because by the time you get to college, you've already solidified your worldview. And I think that it takes someone willing to, you know, willing to challenge their worldview in college to really change your mindset. And I feel like it's much easier to to, you know, mold the mindset to be more thoughtful and to think about it in a different way earlier than getting to college where people have already grown up with biases and, you know, you know, nothing has really taught them anything different in school. You know, oh, slavery, like, you know, everyone knows slavery was bad, but no one talks about, you know, the ramifications of how slavery are still affecting Black people today and the uncomfortableness of, like, how... You know, it's like it's something that I that I encountered in the South um, is that people that don't really get what white privilege is like, you know, people like, you know, they consider themselves poor whites and they said that I don't have white privilege. And again, it's just a conversation of you might like, you know, it's like white privilege is not just being wealthy, but having the skin color. Yeah, you know, you like you have the like it's like Paul Mooney said, you have the complexion for the protection. <laughs> a smart guy, man. Very, very controversial, but he's he's a smart fuck, man. Yeah. You know, and so, like, it's just like the thing is, is that, and like I tried to explain to people, it's just like I was like, think about this, think about your name. It's like if you put like you you see my name, it's like it's like if people see my name, they, they it looks like Doricus. So if you put Doricus, yeah, if you put Doricus Slayer or Darcyus, like you like people are gonna read the application and like say you have like like John Smith, like you know, basic basic name, you know, you're just like you don't make any assumptions about John Smith, but you see Doricus Larry. And you automatically, people, even though they don't, they might not know it, there's like an intrinsic value that you think, oh, this person must be black or, you know, they're definitely not white. And so you already have like, and I'm, so I tried to explain to them, it's just like, when you submit a, a, an application with your name, your name doesn't automatically make them think you're other. Like they, right. they yeah. And so because uh, they recently, they were doing studies on this. Um, they had a they sent they the they had this law firm um they had them participate in a study and they gave them two the same set of data like same credentials from Harvard University and you know same writing samples and they just changed the names and they found that people were more critical of the people with the non-white sounding names like even though it was the exact same material they were more forgiving and more lenient with the white people's paper or the white normal sounding names to them mm -hmm. than you know the other names and you know it's it's just the thing that i think that people 
I hate to say, I hate, I like I really hate to say check your priv, but you know everyone has privilege. <laughs> check check your priv, <laughs> but every everyone has privilege. You know me and you, like even if we're even if we're black or white, like like we have privilege as men. Like you know yeah. we don't we don't see men. You don't see people at night, and you know fear of like oh what is he gonna do to me? You know and see yeah. that. Yeah. That's a common thing, you know, people, people are just like, oh, you know, like, they'll say like, oh, women, you know, will cross the street when they say black men. But, you know, a thing that you have to think about is, what if they're not crossing the street because I'm black, but because I'm a man? And, you know, they don't know, they feel uncomfortable with a men, like men at night alone, you don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that, that you have to, you have to be like aware of the different perspectives of how it looks than just your perspective instead of going oh she's racist and she crossed the street because I'm black then she might have crossed the street because I'm a man and you know it's just it's like in the same thing is that you it's like I think that's something that would help if we taught history a bit better in schools is that teaching people to teaching people those different perspectives and those different mm -hmm. conversations so that, you know, when you go in and you you can think about those situations in an entirely different way than what you thought, you know, it might not even be a racial thing or it might not even be um, that you're a man. It may, may be like you're just uncomfortable seeing someone at night. But I think that's something that we don't really teach in schools is to really think about, like we teach like facts. We don't teach about like how history, yeah, yeah, we don't teach empathy, and you know, we don't we don't really teach how we're only getting like the the one person's viewpoint. We don't we're not getting other people's perspectives. In that, you know, different people have different perspectives of a different time period. Like something that like I completely regret is that that I learned like really late in my life. Um, after the fact is that like my grandfather was a sharecropper. Like he was born in like 1916. Old guy. Like he was a sharecropper, and it's just like to go back and have to ask him about those experiences in Georgia in the South. You know, it definitely thing would be eye opening because uh, my grandmother was also like my grandma was the help, and she was the help until like I was like like eight or nine until she retired. And you know, you know those like those white maid uniforms that you see like the like those period pieces. You know the um the uh the black women in when they go and work uh in the white woman's home you know what i'm yeah. talking about yeah, yeah yeah my grandmother my grandma was wear that i thought that was just her work uniform and oh, then it, yeah dude it wasn't until like you know like when the help came out and i realized like oh my god my grandmother has that that same uniform at home and she used to and she and dude i kid you not she used to come out like the back entrance of this white mansion in perry um oh. And I was just like, what the fuck? So a lot of shit that, you know, unfortunately, you know, they've passed and I didn't get to ask them about it, about these viewpoints, about the different perspectives. But like, you just don't realize how close you are to the things that you hear about uh, in history. Holy shit, man. I mean, you know what? Um, you brought me to a, to a good example and shit. It, it bothers me. I think it brought a tear to my eye the first time that like I saw it. So um, I mean, if you your parents will probably have it too. So, uh, back when I lived in Georgia, my mom had to look for a birth certificate for some, some reason or whatever. And, uh, she grabbed a birth certificate. I was curious to see like what the information had on it. And, uh, her race said Negro. And 
you know, seeing that, I was born in 1991, like, Negro would not be on any birth certificate that you would find, like, in modern times, but, like, to see my mom, who's, like, almost 30 years older than me, to see Negro was the race that you put on a birth certificate. Yeah. Like, there's there's history that you learn in the book, and there's history that you learn just from knowing and seeing with your own eyes. Yeah. that birth certificate there showed me that Georgia was a completely different. I mean, if you go to the hick parts of Georgia, it'll still be the same. But like for the most part, Georgia in 1962 was a different place than a lot of other places. And I mean, a lot of other places might have had that sentiment towards black babies, but a lot of those places didn't put Negro on a birth certificate. That's just that's what Georgia was at the time. Yeah. And see, I think like when did when did schools integrate in America? Was it like 68? No, no, seventies, because Nixon had to. Nixon had to end up doing it. Yeah, I want to say, no, like yeah, early, yeah. early mid seventies, I believe that was like when they were like finally starting to like crack down in the South, because the South definitely didn't want to integrate, and I think Nixon had to send in like the the National Guard. Yeah, to, I uh, think it was. I think they they declared it unconstitutional in the fifties, but Brown versus <laughs> Brown versus Board wasn't until. Uh, no, Brown versus Board was in the 50s with the yeah. court case in the 50s. But it wasn't until like Nixon actually had to get the troops and force them together because the South like was resisting that shit. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Because like, you know, I think that that's around the time that Westville was formed in uh, Perry. Which really? Is, that's the history of Westville is that. Um, Westfield, the students, uh, the white, the white students that went over there, they didn't want their kids going to school with black students, so they created their own private school, and that's why that's what a lot of private schools in the South, that's how they got formed, is that they didn't want their students to integrate with the black students. So how do you keep them out? One, they don't have the monetary means to go to your private school, and two, they have to be accepted. So you know, you get to keep pretty much like your segregation by creating your own private school, because like. Think about it. Like, um, you remember Allison Burnham and uh, yeah. Thomas Burnham? Like, I remember her talking to me, and she's just like, "There's a lot of white kids there. They're like barely, barely any like black kids at Westville." Um, so yeah, that. And then I, Miss Lay, told me the history of Westville because she, like, Miss Lay was teaching for a long time. She was like a, she was a lot teaching at Perry when my mom was a student there. Wow. Um, and yeah, just that's what Westville was. Is that that was like a a the backlash from not wanting to integrate with um black students they went and formed their own school wow dude that's fucking wild but yeah i mean it's just like like school is just school is just like it it needs to be like completely i just think one it, the the key argument i guess if i had to say my key argument is that i think no matter what you teach a kid through K through 12, like as long as they get, you know, the basics, no math, algebra, you know, you know, the basic core. I think that, yeah, I think that by high school, though, that by especially by eighth grade, you need to start hammering in the idea that college is not the only way. And that, you know, there are like trade schools, like, you know, you can go to electrician school and you can go to like different trade schools and learn different trades and make very good money, make decent money, own your own business, you know, like, uh, like small businesses, like, like they are the employers of a majority of the workforce in America. And, yeah. and, and see, that's the thing is that like, 
like you know you know it doesn't take a lot to like run your own business but you know have con you know i feel like we america is very anti-intellectual and you know <laughs> yeah you, like there's like no, a wave you're not wrong dude i mean the way that I, so here's here's a way i can i can i can break it down to 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 readers at like the basic form yeah as a federal government you don't teach more you don't teach enough that'll get you overthrown. That's the way to think about it. Like the federal government, they mandate or the state governments, they teach students and they taught us to the point where we can exist just to boost the economy, just to work, like not to think for ourselves, not to think outside of the box, not to think enough where we know more than what this, than the governments are trying to let us know. And if, if the state governments, if they regulate their own education books, if they, if they regulate and say, okay, this is what you need to know, then we're not going to think outside of the box. You know, um, I remember when I was helping a friend run for uh, state office mm-hmm. and he is, holy shit, he might read like, like a book a day, a very smart guy. And he, his idea was for education, what you would do in a history class, you would have two opinions you would give one opinion to one half of the room the other opinion you would give to the other half of the room let those two discuss amongst their individual groups and then maybe after 20 minutes of deliberation you talk it out amongst each other so you're not giving a one one way type of thinking if you're talking about um european settlers versus native americans right you know if we if you read one of these books it's like all the European settlers came here, they took the land, like, that's it. But that's just one way of thinking. That's just somebody else, you know, it's kind of like the Bible, like somebody else is writing the words that you're supposed to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of if you want an actual interactive classroom and an interactive way of teaching history, why not give both sides to each of the groups and let them be able to talk it out and see what was wrong, what was right, why was something done this way, why was something done that way, and so forth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it the thing about it is is so I think that it goes even deeper than that because like for example, you remember in class, you know, people students like kids would always pick on that kid that always raised his hand for the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like it's just like America as a whole, even like as a kids before we even really thinking about it on a larger picture are just very anti-intellectual and you know, it like shame students, smart students, like you know, it's like, wow, and because like think of yeah, I mean think about it. Like it's like, look at look at how much science and information has backed up climate change. America as a whole, like this intellectual anti-intellectual wave, has created like these dangerous perceptions in our our like civilization in our society one like like this anti-intellectual has given rise to anti-vaxxers has given rise to climate deniers and so you really <laughs> like like i'm just yeah. just the thing no, is that right, like, right. yeah people are just distrustful of like of like scientific information and it all comes down to that even as children you like you can see that like you know this resentment for things that seem smarter than you or and you know they all people have conflated you know even even though we don't know these concepts as children they conflate you know smarter as better than me like they think they better than me they have sent they attribute that attitude to like intelligence and you know and so they kind of rebel against it even though it might not make any sense 
they it's like it's like like it's just an interesting phenomena like that it even shows up in like children like you're just like who taught them this or is it something that they see or is it just like intrinsic like humanity trait to all to try to tear down something that you perceive as a threat to yourself Holy shit, or, or your own intelligence yeah i mean you know what and the funny thing is is that when 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 i was uh when i was in school like you said, you would you would make fun of you a popcorn the like to read the most. <laughs> you know, ironically, it was always you, and like I knew that you wanted to read. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was just a funny joke, but <laughs> but uh, no, I'm I'm thinking about it. And like, yeah, we downplay the 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 people that want to read, the people that do extra work, and we downplay them as like nerd. But now that you bring up the example of climate change, it's like. If it wasn't for those people, we wouldn't know as much as we know now. And like, it's backed by science. It's not backed by you know. If you look at if you look at the White House or, or its followers, that it's not backed by uh, baseless knowledge. You know, it's yeah. like the like the shit that spews out of people's mouths is just you just you talk on you talk behind your instinct. Like you don't know anything. And if it wasn't for climate change. Um, science then we wouldn't know anything if it wasn't for vaccinations we wouldn't know anything you know um people they look at they hear about vaccination and they don't think that is that serious but like if you show them a picture of like what fucking smallpox looked like in 1907 they'll be like oh shit like maybe yeah we should, maybe we should get with the times like maybe maybe i'll read a book and know that like vaccinating my kids is something important but see, like and you know i like i it like Trump might have, like, Trump started this, like, but it's that same thing that, you know, Trump really just gave it a term and really, vo ver uh, like, you know, verbalized it, like, fake news. The thing to say that things that you don't trust are fake because you state they are, like, you know, because they don't, they go against what you view as reality. And, you know, I think that that is one of the terms that will come out of this you know, like it, it will that term will go into history books as as like the the active the you know the act of you know verbalizing disinformation in real time to yeah. like you know discrediting yeah discrediting the truth and facts in real time as you know <laughs> fake news you know no that's that's not that's not true fake news you're fake news. <laughs> But you it's know, like, I, um, it's it. That's funny, dude. It's like climate change is what accepted by what not like ninety eight percent of uh, scientists. And yeah. It's like the two percent that don't, don't believe in that is okay. It's fake news because I'm the two percent and I don't believe that that's possible. Yeah, and see the thing about it is, is that people people would rather people feel more comfortable giving into confirmation bias, and that you know they'll Google anything on the internet. And it could be like a web page on the internet that's like, oh, no, this web page on the internet says I'm right. So what you're saying is fake. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like, I'm like, like, like Pizzagate. Like Pizzagate, like, you know, people read this shit on the internet. And it's, it's very ironic because the people that fucking believe this shit would be the type of people that'll say to you, well, don't believe everything you read. Or, and uh, yeah, and it's just like, are you... Are you serious right now? You it know what the the, the the wild thing is that uh, I don't know if this is before the 2016 election, but there are so many um, biased sources of news 
And it, it's like fucking ridiculous. Like one day you could see something that comes out about against leftists and it'll come from like the crazy conservative or the next one will be like, um, I don't know if it's the hill.com, but like there's like, there's so many fucking news sources that are so biased that it does seem like fake news. I mean, not to say that it's wrong, but it's twisted in such a way. Um, it's like, it's like the opposite of what I want for this podcast. Like the podcast that I want is for it to be as conversational as it's been going. But the thing that I'm not trying to be is push Yeah. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be biased. I'm not trying to ask accusatory questions or, you know, try to twist it one way or the other way. No. And, you know, I can, I see, I can honestly understand why the term fake news has come up but the 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 usage of it is for the wrong reasons but yes and yeah see, <laughs> and it kind of it kind of goes back to what i was saying is that if you taught students how to like one like again it goes back to the history example if you taught students how to condense all the different perspectives so when they get out into the real world and see all this you know different biased news they can they can kind of see through it and you know kind of build a bigger more thorough picture by being able to absorb all these different perspectives and say okay like like something that uh you know do you uh, do you know Ryan Lewis yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so me and Ryan Lewis, so like we'll go to like like anime conventions and you know, we'll like something we'll do in the downtime is that, you know, when we're just like, you know, the day is pretty much over, we'll be sitting in the hotel room and what we'll do is we'll flip through different news channels. We'll go from CNN to MSNBC to Fox News to see the different ways that they're portraying the news, to see the different type of viewpoints. And you know, I feel like, again, that's something that you don't really teach students that in school of how to be objective. And I mean, you know, and but at the same, like, I feel like you can go too far and tell people that form your own opinion and don't let anyone tell you tell you that your opinion is wrong, which is what we have right now. But I think that being like, I think that the news, the news wouldn't be as impactful Today, if you again you had people realize how to spot bias and how to kind of get what they needed from the news and view multiple different sources, I think that you fall into a trap of just getting your news from one different. Like I'll turn on Fox News sometimes just to see what they're saying, and like I think like you build a better picture of what is actually going on in the world. Or, you know, like, Fox, like, you'll watch Fox News. You'll watch Fox News and realize how, you hate to say fake news or how biased or what the, what they've skewed in their recast, their reporting by going to and going and looking at CNN and MSNBC. Because the thing about it is, is that at the, at the, the center of it, everyone's got to report the facts. So you can see the similarities of what they're all saying, but then you can notice the differences of what they're skewing and what they're trying, what the conclusions they are drawing from that same information. Um, like, like the, the Trump um, inject disinfection thing. Like that in the news cycle, you have, you know, the liberal networks going, oh, you know, Trump said inject yourself with um, disinfectant. And then you have like the the conservatives uh, media going, he was joking, obviously. He was being sarcastic. And, you know, it's just it's just such a thing 
that you know we've we've just entered this super partisan yeah. environment. It's just because no, people. I mean, I mean, yeah, go ahead. You no, you got a point because I mean, so here's the thing. It's it's always three sides to what happened, right? There's like the truth, and it's just like there's 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 uh, wrong, right, or one person A, person B, and then the truth in the middle, right? It's like mm-hmm. okay, well, here's the truth. The truth is that he said this, right, and that's the truth. But because you have two sides of the coin, everyone has to spew their own different uh, type of truth that they're trying to portray. One side says that okay, he just told everyone to uh, infect everyone with disinfect the spray, which is true. But I think there's more of a uh, um, a skewing of what they were trying to say, and then on the opposite opposite side, you say, no, 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 he was just joking around. He 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 said it, but he didn't mean it. Rather yeah. than just giving the whole truth and just leaving it at that, because if you just gave the truth whatsoever, you wouldn't have as many fans or as much of a following as you would. Even if that's the crazy part, because you're 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 pumping up the truth. If you just gave yeah. the truth, you wouldn't have as much of a following. So what you do is you spin and twist your wording so that way you can go back to your base. The base should yeah. always be the people that want to hear the truth, but your base is whoever's going to listen to as much bullshit as you print out. I mean, and and that I think that is like honestly one of the negative side effects of how um TV has really become more about ratings because you know when CNN was like first you know the inception of CNN you know CNN was like on the uh, the front lines it was like twenty four seven news they were like talking about all the facts they were like on the ground in Vietnam they were you know, you know showing everything the world events but you know as TV became more about entertainment you know it's it's very hard like you know you have to you have to entertain to at the same time support your your new side like let's look like look you and you can see this on fox like on fox you have your uh, your I, I like your entertainment newscasters you have your sean hannity's your tuckle carlson's you know the people that are just there to be the echo chamber to be the megaphone to rah 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 be an entertaining and you know have all those hot takes that people want to hear and then on the other side you have like Shep Jones, and you have uh, some of the other Fox News people that are actual journalists that write the stories and, you know, mm-hmm. actually, you know, describe themselves as journalists. That's what they went to school for. But to, in order to hire those people, you have to have revenue coming in from the megaphones, your, you know, your hot takes, the, the, you know, that bring the viewers in, that bring the money in. So it's it's unfortunately, it's like, in network television and especially in cable news, it's like a necessary evil. You gotta have your hot takes and your your entertaining people to bring in the advertising and you know investment dollars that people are actually viewing your station to actually, you know, support the actual news side of things. And you know, I think that's kind of sad. And you know, I don't think it would be as bad, but something that you can kind of that I've noticed since I was a kid, uh, like my grandpa, when I like, this was back in like the late nineties, back when the Braves had like Chipper Jones and, uh, uh, Andrew Jones and, you know, yeah, you know, like the, the, not the ones that almost won the world series, like (laughs) (laughs) they got one, they got one, (laughs) they got one, but you know, that was the dream team. That's like the highlight of Atlanta's baseball. We've gone downhill since then. 
like when yeah, John sure. Smoltz was there. Um, like my grandpa, like he strictly only watched Fox News. And I remember like Fox News wasn't as partisan as it was 20 years ago. Like 20 years ago, like Fox News was like a completely different channel, but it all changed. I feel like the partisanship, it became more partisan as like after 9-11. After 9-11, like after 9-11 and after, you know, you know, the shit show that uh, Bush Jr. put out on the stage, you know, it just became a completely different, you know, animal. And, you know, I think that really what finally pushed us into that partisanship being on full, full showing was the election of Obama. It's um, like, like, um, I'm going to say his name wrong. I think it's uh, Tanishi Coates. Um, I, I think I know I'm saying his name wrong, but that's that's how you say it. But he wrote a book called "We Were uh, We Were in Power for Eight Years," and it talks about the uh, the uh, Obama presidency and how that Trump is the first white president. You know, not in race, but as in you know, the, as identity. That's what you see him as first. Like you see, he, he is white. Like you. Oh, like, yeah, because Obama broke the mold. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. is like, there's like this racial backlash against what Obama embodied. Um, and, you know, he makes the case that, you know, they're really, all the other presidents have been white, but no president has really had white as their core identity. One of the things that you kind of associate with them, like, oh, yeah, you know, he's, you know, he represents, you know, white Shit. You know, yeah, like what ideals? Because, like, look at what hap- what has happened, like under Trump's presidency. You've had like, you can on you can say that you know white supremacy and the and you know anti intellectualism. You know, it's always been there. Like, you know, like not saying that it hasn't been there, but it's always been there. But it's actually it's grown more bold. Like, can you imagine like someone taking a car and driving it into a crowd of protesters because they didn't believe in what those people were saying and that they would be bold enough to do that shit. Um, and then, or, you know, marching around and with tiki torches, yelling blood and soil, like, like the old, like the old Nazis sayings, like, it's just, they've become more bold. They've all, the sentiment has always been there, but under Trump's presidency, you've kind of, you kind of see them like given to that like identity and you know identity politics is you know be become a bigger thing again like you know it's always been there but now you have people actually out there not afraid to you know you know throw themselves out there you know yeah, really yeah. show their they true colors they they have their messiah uh in the in the white house so they uh they're very comfortable with them going about their business as you know Usually it was just in the home that they said what they thought or amongst their like, you know, very close friends or very close uh, family. But now it's just out in the forefront where like you like you said, you know, some people go out into Charlottesville and then they have tiki torches and there's they're spewing crazy um, fascist propaganda and all this shit. It, yeah, it's yeah. it's wild. And I mean, it, t- it ties back to your to your um, to education. Like yeah yeah, yeah no, it, it goes back to the education man I mean if you're if you're teaching stupid people um, or if you're teaching them not to think them for themselves all they're gonna do is they're they're gonna believe that the other side is wrong 
They're not going to yeah. try to qualify the situation or qualify the, the type of discussion or argument or topic, whatever is being discussed. And they're just going to say, you're wrong and I'm going to tear you. I'm going to try and tear down your argument and what you believe in. That's that's really what has become. Yeah. And something that, you know, you know, I think that, you know, not a lot of people are doing. But, you know, I honestly think that this section in history, you know, the Trump era is very interesting in that, you know, People, you know, you know, they're not trying to understand it. You know, they're being partisan about it. But, you know, I, I can see it. And this again, this all ties back to education. How this happened, how you got the election of Trump, is because something that people don't want to talk about, or you know, a lot of people don't really realize, is that the reason why you have a lot of, and you know, I get the people that voted for Trump. I get them. I get them like, and I understand where they're coming from, and and mm -hmm. it's, it's it's something that's tied into like the big, you know, the really the foundation of history, and I'll get back to that in a second. But I understand that these people resent what Congress has become, and that one, we as a society has said that these are people that you know didn't go to college, and as society has devalued them because they were you know regulated to you know like blue collar jobs. And, yeah. yeah. And yeah. And so something, and this is where I think that we need to reform our education system because I think this will help fix this problem is that you need to one retool the education system to adjust for what the marketplace has moved towards. We move towards a more service based economy and, you know, social structure. And these are people that are stuck in towns that were, you know, coal towns and they have this one big company and, you know, they work there and, you know, they really have nothing else. And I think that that's why we need to give kids more opportunities and more, you know, uh, you know, pathways than going to college, you know, so that these people that are in these, you know, blue collar cities and these small towns have, you know, a pathway to, you know, gain a necessary skill or knowledge that can carry them in life so, you know, they aren't bitter. And because, you know, something that this all ties back to, you know, the white identity, something then, you know, you know, people go, you know, well, you know, poor, poor whites are in the same situation as all the minorities. And um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a story. So I was reading this book um, and it's called Three Ghosts. Um, and it's by, oh God, I can't remember her name now, but it was for, I was reading it for my Southern history course, the New South. And so three men are riding in a car. Two white men are riding in the front and a black guy is riding in the back. The white guy tells the, black, the, the, white, the rich white guy, the planter, it's a planter, a poor white and a poor white yeoman farmer and a black slave. They, uh, you know, the planter tells the planter class, the rich guy tells the white guy, he's like, he's like, you're better than the black guy because you're in the same, you're in the front seat with me. Mm. And um, the black guy in the back starts laughing. And the poor white guy asked him, what are you, what are you laughing about? And he says, he's like, you're no different than me. You might be in the front seat, but neither of us are driving the car. And it just it you know it's the epitome that you know the it's been a a tactic of the rich, especially in the South, to pit the poor whites against the poor blacks because if they ever got together, 
they're, like there's not their political power would be unmatched because those are the, like the one minorities and the poor whites make up a majority of the 99 percent mm. um so you know it's always been a tactic to pit those people against them to try to tell poor whites you know you know they've 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 told poor whites to invest so much in their white identity that you know it's very hard for again and you know this is understanding looking at situation that these people were put in and manipulated in it's very hard for you know white people you know especially those who come from poor areas or rural areas to really give up the thing that that you know society has told them to value for so long their whiteness you know because if you devalue whiteness you know you know they're gonna you know push back against that and you kind of see that backlash because it's really, it's the only thing that they have that they can say that, you know, oh, well, at least I'm white. At least that makes me better, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. So again, that is, that's something that I think if you could, if you could break the, the dependency of like of the white identity being core to, to whiteness, you know, like, I think that's, that's one of the good starting points, but I think a lot of the things addressing some of these societal issues goes back to reforming our school system and teaching children, you know, one, again, to be aware of different perspectives and two, giving them different avenues. Because I, I think that when you teach children these perspectives and, you, you know, you finally give them ways to kind of get out of these cycles that they get stuck in like the like the people stuck in these dead towns with like you know that are coal miners or you know they where steel mills were they're kind of stuck in the same situation as you know black people in ghettos and hoods like you know they're stuck in a cycle like you know you just you keep doing the cycle because it's the only way you can make a living and, and it's generational and it's generational and so you have to kind of break that cycle in both places you know, out of these, you know, dead towns and out of these dying towns and, you know, out of these ghettos and hoods and break that cycle and give people different avenues to kind of advance, you know, because, you know, you always want you, the generation after you to do better than the previous generation. Like you, but we have like these generation after generation of both whites and blacks and minorities stuck in these cycles in these dead end places, you know, that just keep, you know, getting stuck there, you know, so they're not moving, you know, you know, society doesn't really acknowledge them. Society doesn't give them ways forward. It doesn't teach them how to deal with, you know, how things are in the real world. And, you know, it, it's just, we could go a long way and really getting people ready, both mentally, um, you know, and, you know, I guess, yeah yeah you know I, you're good you're good no i i, totally I, I, I go on these tangents no. <laughs> you're fine we're uh we're just uh a little bit over but uh no dude you you summer you summarized it perfectly man um what what we have is it's a it's a bash on intellectualism it's uh you know it's 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 what I say versus what you know, right? That's yeah. that's basically what what we're living with in 2020. And I mean, you have people that politicize it and made it a legit a divide, not just a class divide, not just a racial divide, but an intellectual divide. And that's what we see is it's not 
it, I mean, sometimes it looks like dumb versus smart, but it's just, I believe what I believe and you believe what you know or believe. And I'm going to tell you that you're wrong, no matter what, that's yeah. really what we're into. Um, and it's definitely going to, it's, it's going to play a part in our education system because what we see today, it cannot continue to happen for our uh, generations coming up. We're going to see it in the next couple of generations, or I mean, some kids, um, what they see in school now of what they're learning, how they're learning. I mean, hopefully the system now is a little bit better than um, what we grew up with, but that's, we can only yeah. hope. You know? Well, I, I think that it's, it's something that you already started to see because, you know, something that, you know, the, really the acceptance of different cultures, like anime has grown into a huge thing, not just for our generation, but for like, for, you know, people, the people behind us too. And it's not just, you know, you know, what they call them nerds that are watching anime, you have everyone like, it's just become a popular thing. And, you know, everyone, it's become a popular medium. And, you know, you kind of see the things that, you know, when we were kids, they'd be like, oh, you're a nerd for doing that, or you're a nerd for doing this. It's actually blown up. Like, Pokemon is fuck is huge. It's like, anime is huge. It's like, you just yeah. have these. And, you know, I think that, I think that it's something that we've, since we grew up in a more integrated setting, we're more open to the culture, but you know, we still have, I think we still have these anti-intellectual issues that we have to deal with. And, you know, it's, again, it's something that we're going to have to, it's, it's going to happen. I think that in the next, you know, 10 years, uh, educational and economic reform are going to be a must and we couldn't, we can't really go forward. They're going to continue to be the things that we have to, you know, push for and strive for. Um, and I definitely think that, you know, if we could, if, you know, if, in you know, this is something that, um, uh, this is something that I kind of, uh, like with Bernie Sanders, something that, you know, with his talking he brought up is that um, it goes back to an old argument um, that actually, I would say, originated in the Black community and economic equality versus social equality and something that you know you know bernie sanders is a big proponent of the of the economic side like book like booker t washington was where and but you know you you know of course he ta sometimes talks about the social but i think that something that uh he could have added to his message is also talking about the social equality because i think that they go hand in hand is that Something that we saw after, especially after uh, Reconstruction, is that, you know, you can give, you know, Black people, you know, the means to have the same equality, but just because they can still make the same money as white people, they doesn't necessarily make them equal. You know, they might be making money, but they're not going to be making mm -hmm. as much money as white people because they don't have those relationships. They don't have those, you know, business partnerships. Um, so you can't really, they don't have the opportunities that white people do like, you know, socially. So it becomes between that thing is that you can't, um, you know, people can argue with me, they'll probably hear this and, you know, you know, I'm open to the conversation, you know, oh, five minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a conversation that we need to have in our lifetime is like social equality and economic equality um, going hand in hand and, you know, being able to really wrap this up. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you for the last little bit if you want to do a sign off. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. I'm going to say, man, I think um, in terms of uh, social equality or social equity, 
um what you see you see way more a lot more minorities in uh in school systems now and you'll see a lot more representation whether it's whether it's uh proportional to the student population or proportional to the population of the municipality or state or federal government, whatever you want to talk about, we'll see whether there is equal representation, but we can only hope that um, whether you learn it from home or whether you learn it from school, that enough people learn enough outside of the box and are able to hash things out on an intellectual level rather than just reading or hearing one thing and then spewing it out. Um, because that's where our country is at. Hopefully we can just improve our education system. But I think Darius, you brought up a lot of very good topics, whether it was from um, stuff you've seen academic wise or stuff you've seen from your own family or you know arguments or topics you've had with friends. Um, I think that you, you've always been a guy that, um, very smart guy, but you've always, you've always known more than what most uh, most have seen, and yeah. you read about it, and you've always experienced it. You've you've always been able to intellectually, um, you know, talk about it, and that was always a great quality of yours, where you could you could just regurgitate everything that you've read and be able to break it down on a person to person basis. Um, yeah, and and not everything that I say might be wrong. Those are my opinions, and you know, again, I'm up to people. <laughs> yeah, like I'm saying, it's my opinion. I'm not right not saying but you know i'm just saying that i'm open to anyone you know coming at me or you know discussing in a different way it's just that yeah you know i'm open to having those discussions and because I, I think that we won't get you know better understanding or perspective of other people how people see it unless we have those conversations right right no i i totally agree man i really appreciate you being on the show and um i appreciate us uh shooting the shit man i legit haven't uh i probably haven't heard your voice in 10 years oh so, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate it we got to do this more often we do oh. um but yeah thanks for having me um you know again sorry i i don't think we really like focus just on school reform but you no, know I, it's, man. like i said it's, it's conversation man that's that's where it led to it i mean you uh you have a lot of great uh great opinions and i think they're honest and i personally i think that they're right so it was definitely worth having the conversation with you all right all right, all right man thanks for having me Thanks so much, man. Get some sleep. Thank you. You have a great one. All right, man. You too. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.